Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lara. Hi, I'm Lara. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much. Um, I want to thank my dear, dear friend Tara for asking me. I'm so grateful to be here. And there's so many faces I know and love, and I'm so grateful to be here with you tonight. And I'm always like really, really humbled to get to share my story and to get to share it at this meeting because of course, this is a podcast meeting and this podcast has helped me on all of my travels and long road trips and falling asleep at night when I wanted to eat. <laughs> um, so I'm really grateful. And I wanted to welcome George and then um, Ravine, Kathy, Diane for taking chips tonight. And then Katie for three years and Jesse for 10 years. Jesse, it's so great to see you. I haven't seen you in a very long time. So congrats. Um, I've been abstinent 12 years and seven months today, and um, that is wild. That is so wild to me because I came here when I was 21, and I truly hated myself. And if you hear like nothing else tonight, I just want you to know that if you do the work, like Katie said, uh, you get the results. And for me, the results were I do not hate myself anymore. I don't hate my body anymore. Um, and I don't regret the things that like I eat. I don't wake up demoralized and I don't wake up with a food hangover and emotional hangovers, like all of it. It's not perfect. Um, I think perfect is really boring, but I like have a life today that I love and I'm proud of. So, um, you know, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. So I think I was like definitely born, uh, you know, just with the ism and for me it came out in the food first so um you know i'm from nashville and uh food was just kind of like everywhere um for me i picked up food when i was 13 that was like the first like conscious thought where it was like i can't deal with life i can't deal with the things that are happening and i just like I don't remember what I picked up. I just remember thinking like something has to be better and I picked up food. Um, and I don't think that like the things that happened to me in childhood and like I did come from a great home. Like I love my family. I talked to them consistently. Um, and you know, nothing was like perfect and nothing was also just like awful. Uh, but I have like a perception disorder. So um, I picked up the food when I was about 13 and I was just kind of like off to the races. Um, oops, I just have to move this. Okay, beautiful, lovely Zoom. So I was a little bit like off to the races. Um, my first like memory of like the compulsiveness was, uh, is like my favorite story to tell. Uh, I grew up with like three older sisters and a little brother and uh, we lived on a hill and so we used to like slide down the hill growing up and when it would rain it would get like super super muddy and my mom would give us these little like pie pans and she would go out she would tell us to like go outside and like make like chocolate pies 
um, from mud and like it was not a chocolate pie, but that's just like what she called them. And we'd go outside and we'd like make these chocolate pies and from dirt. And like, I was the only child like in the neighborhood or like amongst my sisters who like literally ate the dirt. And I was just like, it's pie, like it's chocolate, like it's great. Um, and I just have these memories of my mom just like scraping dirt like out of my mouth. And there's these pictures of like my, you know, like my brother's first birthday. And so I would have been four years old and like everybody's looking at the camera except for me. Like my hand is literally in the cake, like his cake and I am just like you know distracted and occupied in my mind and um I don't know like I'm I'm also super grateful for the food because it really helped me in childhood like I had an older sister that um so a couple things happened around 13 like my mom got really really sick and we all thought she was going to pass away and it was um it was awful like it was traumatizing like one day she's healthy and the next day she's not and um we all kind of like shifted like all the kids and so basically it just felt like i had to grow up overnight um all of a sudden like i'm making my own meals and i'm doing my own laundry and i'm taking care of my little brother and um my sister is you know a little wild and out of control and the cops are coming to the house and you know food for me was an escape and, you know, for me, like part of my story, which I do have like healing around today, but I've had a lot of sexual trauma in my life as well. And for me, it was always about like, if I could just keep my body bigger, then I could keep you away. And, you know, that worked for a long time until I really, I think it was 2015. So I got um, abstinent April 7th, 2008. So I guess it was around, I'm so bad at math. Um, I guess it was around eight years where I started to really, really find healing in my body. So, you know, if you're here and like, you just don't have the healing in your body for whatever reason, whatever the thing is, like, please keep doing the work. Like, please, please dig deeper. Um, for me, it was really rigorous 10 steps and like, really like, just like, tons of writing until I just basically like figured out the answers and found healing. But, um, so, um, you know, I've done it all. Like, it's so boring. I don't want to spend my whole talk on like what it was like, but I want you to know that like, I've done it all. Um, I have, you know, pooped my pants from laxatives. I have woken up with, um, food coming, you know, just like basically out of my mouth. I've woken up um, in a pile of donuts. Um, I have eaten, you know, every last morsel of food around me. Um, and then my, you know, ex-boyfriend said like, where did all the donuts go? And I just, I couldn't lie anymore. I was so tired. It was right before I got abstinent. Um, and I just looked at him and I said, I ate them all. Um, and like the look he gave me, like, I will never forget. It is ingrained in my brain. It was like, uh, like, deep like worry <laughs> like this what is wrong with you that's not normal and um and you know cut to like six months later I got abstinent but um you know I've just done it all uh I starved myself for one summer because like one of my best friends we were heading out to church camp that year and uh she was like I really want to lose weight this is before church camp and I said, like, me too, you know, I'd, I've been up and down in my weight my whole life until recovery. And, and like my top weight's 222 um, and my bottom weight, um, 
like literally when I was at my thinnest, I was my most miserable, which was 147. And uh, my friend told me like, let's, you know, let's lose weight. Let's stop eating. And I was like, that is a brilliant idea. And like, I stopped eating for the whole summer and uh, she started eating like three days after, you know, she told me to stop eating. And like, it was just kind of off, you know, I was like on, what is it like off to the races. Um, and I lost about 50 pounds that summer and it was really drastic. And I was 16. And at the end of that summer, I got into a car accident and uh, wrecked my sister's car because I was delirious in my mind, you know, like an alcoholic who's behind the wheel drunk. Like I was delirious from starving my brain and my body. And it wasn't like a wake up call at the time. I was basically like, you know, my sister was super upset about her car and I was upset that she was not, you know, concerned about me. And, um, and so I've just, I've done it all. I have eaten out of the trash can. I have, um, just like, I had just deep hate for myself when I got here. And I, so what happened is a couple of different things happened. I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is a, uh, chronic inflammatory disease. And it honestly, no exaggeration, just kind of took over my body in a couple months. And I was unable to take care of myself. I was unable to like shower and bathe my own body. And so uh, I moved home from college and I went on some medicine that, you know, that summer, uh, my nutritionist told me that I should lose weight. That was when I was at my top weight. And, um, so I went on this diet and I lost 75 pounds in four months. And it was terrifying to me because weight for me had been my protection and I thought it was my safety. And so all of a sudden now I'm like really thin and everyone's giving me attention. And now I'm mad at everybody. I'm like, well, you didn't love me when I was bigger. And you know, F you and like coming up with all the stories in my head. And, um, and then, you know, I got better uh, from my rheumatoid arthritis, you know, cut to back and forth, you know, with my body and the food. And then, you know, my nutritionist said, like, why don't we incorporate a couple things into your food plan? And uh, just a bomb went off. Like, I just started eating everything again. I gained 50 pounds. Um, I was miserable back and forth, up and down. And I just started to think like, I bet God wants more for me. Like I've always had a concept of God. I've always believed in a power greater than myself. And I just started to feel really, really sad that at 21, like when I should have like the world in front of me, um, the destructiveness that I was partaking in and that I could not stop. Like I absolutely tried so many times and I couldn't stop. And so this little thought that, you know, God might want more for me kept really like, I got curious about it. And then a friend told me about Overeaters Anonymous and I told her, I was like, yeah, you should totally go there. Like your portions are bigger and you're overweight and yeah, that sounds so great for you, you know? And <laughs> she did not like that. And, um, you know, and then I came here like, I don't know, a few months after that, it was January of 2008. Um, and you know, my dad had sat me down that December cause this is, you know, I'm 21. The world has not like had our like, you know, 2008 recession. I have dad's credit card. Um, you know, and he had categorized all of my expenses 
and uh, sat me down and he said, uh, like, I'm really worried about you. I don't know what you're doing, but you know, there's expense after expense after expense on food and at 7-Eleven and at Starbucks and restaurants. And, you know, you're spending my money like you make six figures and you don't. Like, it's mine. Like, what's happening? And I told him, like, what I had been up to. And uh, he never, you know, talked to my mom. And it was just kind of between us. And I just said, like, I'm going to get help. And I came home from, you know, I came back to LA and I went to a meeting. And I didn't get abstinent right away, um, but you know I have a dear relationship with my dad, and I think a part of me, like looking back, like I, my dad is not ever disappointed in us. He's just one of those like really kind and loving like dads, and I could see like the terror in him, and I just didn't want to see that again. And I, you know, went to a meeting and I heard the message, and I got really scared and. You know, I just kept going to meetings and I binged, you know, for four months straight and I got abstinent. Um, one day I was at the Tuesday night log cabin meeting and this guy asked me, Bill, Bill asked me, could you bring the big books back next week? And I was, uh, I was basically like, no, I can't do that. That's like too hard. And he said, you can't bring a bag of books back next week. And, um, and uh, I was like, well, you know, maybe I can. And so I brought the books back next week and I had seven days. And then I brought them back the following week and I had two weeks and I brought them back the third week and I had three weeks of abstinence. And, you know, honestly, like between that service commitment and me having just moved into my own apartment on my own, knowing that nobody would be there to watch me, um, I was so scared. And I just woke up on April 7th and I like grabbed a Sharpie and I circled the date and I just said like enough is enough. And nothing, absolutely nothing has been perfect. Um, you know, I got here, I got abstinent at 21. I, you know, had to make all the mistakes under sponsorship. I had to make like all the like, you know, uh, horrible decisions in recovery and actually like have somebody to, you know, be accountable to, uh, which was great. But, you know, I, like, I grew up here, like I've become a woman in this program, you know, I'm 34 today. And when I got here, like, I did not know how to put on, you know, clothes. I just wore yoga pants all day and basically basically looked like I was always going to go work out and I never worked out and I just couldn't shower. You know, I remember asking women, like, how do you dress like you dress and how do you do these things? Like, I just didn't know. Um, and, you know, I hardly showered when I got here because I just had no self-worth. Like what I hated myself so much. So how could I take care of myself? Like I wasn't worth taking care of. And that is like the absolute opposite of how I operate today because of a higher power, because of the steps, because of sponsoring and being sponsored, like everything that, you know, this program talks about. And so, you know, I got abstinent and 18 months later, I graduated from college. I was flunking out of college when I got here. Um, I started working the steps and I had a sponsor that, you know, she was, you know, nice and funny and pretty and, you know, everybody liked her and I hated her because I'm like, you're basically everything I want to be and I don't know how to do that. 
and she um she was just so pivotal for me like I you know and I got to like I could like cry thinking about it but like I got to go to her like zoom baby shower this year um she's up in uh wherever somewhere up north in northern California you know and she's not in program anymore but like she's still part of my life and she's like a sister to me and um you know I owe so much of my life to her so you know um it's been, you know, 12 years now. So, so much has happened, but the really important things is that I've old, like there was probably a few years ago, I started coasting in OA, like I'll never forget. I was, I'm just going to jump all over the place in my recovery, but I had been like super solid, you know, like when I was only working one program at a time, I went into another fellowship around four and a half years of abstinence. But before that I was at, you know, three to five meetings minimum a week with, you know, service commitments and talk to newcomers and work the steps with my sponsor. I got into, you know, outside help. I had a lot of trauma that I had to work through. And, you know, thankfully my sponsor, when she heard my four steps, she didn't, you know, call it a bad night. She like helped me like identify that I had been raped. And that was a really big deal for me that somebody cared enough about me to basically not co-sign my BS and to you know call it what it was and so because of you know her doing that i got to then like have more you know recovery and healing in my body and and in my mind and so um i worked with her for about four years and then i went on to so funny i went on to like who i'm currently sponsored by um i was sponsored by her for about six years and then you know thank god you know one day i had moved to orange county and I didn't even know that I wasn't calling her. I swear to God, like I didn't even realize it. But one day I got this email, I was like laying at the pool and um, she basically said like, so it's been great sponsoring you. Um, I haven't heard from you since you've moved to Orange County. Or she said like, you know, I've heard from you three times since you moved to Orange County. Um, you know, I love you and I wish you the best. And it was like a shot in the arm. I could not believe it. Like my ego was crushed. I thought I was just like crushing it. I was doing great, you know, and, uh, I got this email and I immediately called her and like challenged her. I was like, I think I've called you more than three times. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And, um, and then I got a sponsor in Orange County. Like I, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to stop coasting. Like I can't coast. Like my life is dependent on my recovery and you know what I do on a daily basis. And so I started working with another sponsor and then, you know, moved back up to LA and I've just kind of been, you know, all over the place. But um, you know, I so now I'm back with her and it's been amazing because a few months ago. I just realized like I needed something different in my sponsorship and I've always listened to her and I've always found um, healing and recovery. Um, and, and that has been amazing. So um, let's see, I want to talk about how grateful I am to be abstinent in a global pandemic. I could not imagine the way I eat, the way I binge, the way I keep secrets, there is absolutely no way that I would survive this period of time without my abstinence, without a sponsor, without sponsees. Oh my gosh, like 
being a sponsor is such a blessing. Like I, they call me and I like get to stop thinking about myself, you know, and I get to basically everything I say to them, I'm saying to myself. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, you know, and what recovery looks like on a daily basis right now is so, you know, because of the pandemic and life, I've entered my third program. Uh, it's ridiculous, but I just got desperate in some other areas of my life. And uh, I kind of threw my hands up because OA has taught me, like my feet are trained. I know that um, if I show up and I do the work and I do the steps and like my life will get better. And sometimes there's different areas of my life that I have to focus on. And today, like food is not a problem. Um, I would say that I have food freedom. Like I, there are things, and that means like, I don't eat certain things because I just absolutely cannot. I wish I was somebody who could just eat things in moderation. I'm not, but I have a freedom in that like, on most days, it is not calling to me. I'm not thinking about my body. I'm not thinking about um, when can I sneak off and binge? Like I'm really, really present. And sometimes that's, you know, really painful because I'm, you know, experiencing everything, but it is such a gift. So, um, you know, I'm secretary of, um, the Friday women's body image meeting, which if you're a woman, it's a great meeting. That's um, Friday mornings at 8.15. And, you know, on Zoom, I chat every newcomer that, you know, enter, you know, enters and says hello. And I've been talking to newcomers so much lately. And it is, like, I honestly probably get more from them <laughs> than, like, they get from me. Because to witness somebody coming into this fellowship and to witness somebody starting to, like, grasp how can they stop eating compulsively how can they have a higher power that like cares about their body and like it's just a miracle like I, I'm just absolutely blown away um I have sponsees because you know good old Leslie E like I heard her a million years ago say that you know never to say that you're a full sponsor because you never know if they're going to actually call you never know if they're actually going to do the work and so i never say that i'm not you know available to sponsor and because of that i have a lot of sponsees right now um and i just always take new girls on because they might call for a month they might call for five years i have no idea but i i do not like I do not hate myself today and I cannot like I'm sure I don't have to explain it to you guys you know but you know I just have such a tender spot for this program because like I'm like I had to be here first I had to like find self-worth um in order to thank you so much in order to like have any peace of mind um you know, and the last thing I'll say is um, I'm in a new job in the last few months um, and it's such a blessing and it's really hard. And I just keep like doing what I've been taught here, which is like show up, be honest, ask for help. Um, it's very uncomfortable to be new. I... Um, 
my character defects are just like out because I want to be good at this thing like right away. I don't want to be new. I don't want to humble myself. I want to just like be great at it right away. And um, I'm not. And so I just keep like meditating more and asking God for more help and, you know, just trying to find a rhythm because, you know, this year has been so hard and I don't know. I'm just, I'm super grateful to be here. And if you're new, like get a sponsor, doesn't matter if you like them or not. I did not like my sponsor for a long time, but if they're willing to take you through the steps, um, that's like what matters. And yeah, thank you so much. Could I share or um, how is this meeting going? Hi, Renee. There is no chair in this meeting. So I just listen. Yes, we um, actually have time for questions. So if you do have a question, Renee, or anyone, go ahead and click on the participants and raise your blue hand. Call on people with questions. Okay, Renee, go ahead. What kind of meeting is this? Overeaters or um, anorexia bulimia or all, all above? It's Overeaters Anonymous, which encompasses all types of eating disorders. Okay, how come there's only five people in the meeting? So there's actually 65, but I think this portion of the meeting is to ask questions about, what is it, my program or Overeaters Anonymous in general? So if you have any direct questions, then we could answer it here. And if not, then we can help you after the meeting. When does the meeting end? 6.30. And what time is it now? 6.12, okay. Um, let's see here. Um, so I've been having issues with, with fear and um, I think my overeating has a lot to do with it. Renee, do you have a question? Yeah, how do you cope with fear with your eating disorder? Awesome, thank you. How do I cope with fear with my eating disorder? Like with another person. With another person. Or like you were abused or you're afraid of abuse or you get lack of information or something. So I'm just gonna talk about fear in general. Okay. So fear for me is not trusting in my higher power. It's being stuck in my will and it's really not living one day at a time. Fear for me comes up when I am, you know, future tripping. I'm also trying to play God and I'm thinking way far in advance. Um, so, you know, Renee, I have no idea if you're new or not. I'm just going to assume maybe you are. And so in the, in the beginning, um, I had a lot of fear. It was not easy to navigate, but getting a sponsor, working the steps. Um, you know, I had a concept of God when I came in and I prayed to God all the time. You know, whatever it is, God, universe, goddess, Buddha, doesn't matter, but just a power greater than myself. Um, and what does it look like today to turn over my fear? I mean, I had a lot of fear with work come up today and it was just constantly repeating like, God, could you please be with me? God, could you please be with me? God 
could you please be with me? Could you walk into this appointment with me? Could you like just be with me? So for me, it's usually a direct ask. And then if it's getting crazy out of control, call my sponsor, call other people. And like you're doing right now, ask for help in a meeting. So thanks for your question. Thank you, Laura. Um, okay. Um, Rashad, you're next. Hi, Laura. It's good to see you. Thank you for your share. Um, how have you been, how has your program been impacted by the pandemic? Like, have you had to pick up new tools or like jump into the traditions or the steps like however, or nothing at all? I'm just curious, like how has the pandemic uh, impacted your program? Okay, so how has the pandemic impacted my program? Well, I went to a third program. That's the simple answer, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> I, um, I mean, how has the pandemic impacted my program? I am a huge people person. It's been very difficult for me to like not be with people and to respect everybody's like opinions and views and like the whole thing. Um, my partner moved in to my apartment in the pandemic. So that's been an absolute blessing and it's been really, really hard, right? Um, I told her that I'm very, you know, she was like, let's grab all the food, let's get all the food, like, you know, in the beginning. And I was like, look, this is so overwhelming. I'm gonna just need you to like, take care of the grocery shopping. I'll go with you and I'll help you. But if you can plan the meals, if you can cook for us, it became, to have that much food in my house, it was so scary. I just didn't like it. And so I put her in charge of meals because I asked for help. I'm really honest about what I need. It's, I have issues, but you know, asking for help is not usually one of them. So basically we just kind of determined like what would be best for our house. Um, and then obviously, I guess it's just been a lot of like advocating for what I need. Like, hey, I need uh, alone time to take my meeting. Um, I need quiet time to be able to meditate. Um, but to be honest with you, 12 years of abstinence has like prepared me for this very moment. I have not had that many issues related to uh, my eating program, like my, my program in OA. Um, and it's, it's led me to deepen my relationship with a higher power. And like I said, I have, you know, a good amount of sponsees. And so just continuing to work with them every single week, um, always be available for calls. Um, yeah. Thanks for your question, Rashad. Great to see you. Alrighty. Next is, um, Michael. Hey there, uh, thank you so much. That was a wonderful share. I wanted to know about your, um, you talked about coasting and I would just love to hear more about that and how you sort of keep an active program now. Great question. Okay, so how do I, I was coasting and how do I keep an active program now? So I didn't even know I was coasting. That's like how coasting worked for me. I just thought I was doing well. And then all of a sudden my sponsor was, you know, I already told you. So I'm not coasting now because 
I'm back in the center. So back in the center looks like sponsoring, being sponsored, being current with my sponsor. Um, you know, right now I'm working multiple programs and my sponsor asked me to like call or email once a week to keep her updated because she knows what it's like to work multiple programs and I've been doing that. Um, and service positions. And then, in a, you know, like I'm secretary of a meeting, I started a meeting in the pandemic, you know, on Zoom and always reaching out to newcomers in Zoom meetings. And I'm talking to them all the time and that gets you right back in the center. So focusing on other people. Thanks for your question. Awesome, thank you so much, Laura. So that is it for questions.